Hi, this is Walter Koenig, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. And yes, you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, the podcast. This is Rico, and you're listening, not watching this week. This is podcast 186 for August the 10th, 2008. Got a just a normal, good old, classic Treks in Sci-Fi type of show for you this week, uh, folks. Uh, no video and no weird dancing by Rico or anything. <laughs> But uh, I think everyone enjoyed last week's show. At least the comments I've gotten have all been very positive. So I'm glad that everyone enjoyed it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit maybe more about that uh, during the show. Uh, this week, though, we're going to be looking at a classic uh, TOS episode, The Deadly Years. It's a great episode and and one uh, I, I was actually kind of surprised I hadn't covered yet. Uh, I tried to look back over all my notes and nope. Didn't cover it, so this week, uh, The Deadly Years, I've just uh, I've got clips for it this time. I'm not doing a full full episode commentary, although I've got some pretty good clips and, and quite a few of them. So we've got that. Uh, I do have a collectible to review later in the show, a very cool new item for Masters, Master Replicas, not Masters, Master Replicas, uh, a new cool Trek item. So that'll be coming up late in the show. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Trek Con going on, on in Vegas this uh, this weekend right now as I speak, uh, and just other news and information and things like that. So, hey, let's get rolling. Once again, welcome to the show, folks. This is Rico, and I uh, hope everyone is doing well out there. And thanks uh, so much for uh, stopping by and or tuning in again to Treks and Sci-Fi for another week. And uh, if you happen to be uh, listening to the show for the first time, for the very first time, welcome to the party. Well, I want to mention uh, the uh, the donation program. I've got a few uh, new ones I wanted to mention from. Uh, Richard Pete and Rick Moyer, uh, and related to the donations, these have been coming for the uh, podcast. There are links on the main uh, treksinsci-fi.com website in the upper right corner. You'll see like a little uh, five dollar uh, Monopoly money uh, icon. You can click that. There's also a, a way to donate further down the page as well, uh, just to help pay for the uh, web. Hu- uh, the <laughs> There, there's my blooper or my uh, stumbling over my words for the day. 
help cover the uh, costs of the web hosts and equipment and bandwidths and things like that to keep the show going. Uh, I really appreciate those. But related to that, uh, next, uh, well, let's see, not next weekend? Is it not next weekend? No, two weeks still. Uh, in two weeks, I am going to be going to a movie marathon. This I've been doing for the past few years. It's a, it's a donation-type uh, a charity event to, to raise money for children's leukemia in Michigan here where I live. There's a nearby movie theater that I usually go to called the Imagine Theater. It's a real nice place, and uh, for the past, I think it's been about five years now, Each uh, during the summertime they'll have a, a weekend. And basically what it is is 24 hours of movies. You donate a, a certain uh, amount of money. And uh, you can go into the theater and see as many movies as you want of what they've got playing for the next 24 hours. It starts like at, on a Friday, the I think August 22nd at like 10 o'clock in the morning. And it goes till 10 o'clock the next morning. Although I usually buy about 10 on Friday night after watching usually about five or six movies. I've usually had enough. So, uh, But what I'm looking uh, for is uh, donations. Uh, I'm trying this this year in, in compared to other years. Uh, I'm trying to get a little uh, extra money from the listeners of the podcast to help uh, for this good cause. I will put a link in the podcast notes. If you'd like to email me, I can give you the information of where to go to donate. You know, just a few dollars, five, ten dollars, however you'd like. Uh, they accept credit card payments. Uh, if that doesn't work for you and you'd rather do PayPal, you can just PayPal the money to me and I will pass it on. Uh, again, I will link this in the podcast notes. It's for a great cause. Uh, this Children's Leukemia Foundation uh, does some great work, and uh, I, I just myself, uh, anytime it's it's donations for both uh, kids and small animals, I'm there. So uh, I'd really appreciate anything you can manage to find five or ten dollars. You know, take some take some cans back to the store, or if you have that kind of a service in your state or whatever, uh, I'd really appreciate it, uh, and uh, I welcome them for the next couple of weeks until, like I said, uh, August 22nd. What's the latest of a new Star Trek movie? Let's find out. Okay, as far as the uh, the Trek movie, like I said earlier, there is the uh, the annual Las Vegas convention going out out in uh, well in Las Vegas this weekend. They are uh, they've got a huge group of celebrities. You know, I was trying to get out there both to see the con perhaps and also go to the uh, Star Trek Experience, which is closing at the end of August. And I don't know if it's going to work out at all, but I, I obviously didn't get to the convention. But the uh, they're they're releasing a little bit of information about the movie. A few things came out this past week as well. Uh, the big one that I read about, I think, uh, is that uh, they've screened a rough cut of the movie for the execs over at Paramount and and that, and they're all everybody's basically saying uh, it's going to be really good. They're everyone's very impressed with what they're seeing, the uh, performances, the storyline. Uh, they, they everyone has just great things. Of course, they can't say anything detail wise, so it's a little tricky. But uh, it's really being uh, well talked of by the execs over at Paramount. So uh, the convention, though, one thing they did release, and I'll have some uh, links and images up on the website. Uh, they released another one of those posters, like they did at Comic Con. If you remember, they had that four poster image set at Comic Con showing. Uh, the actors in the various roles they were showing uh, in that one, Kirk, Spock, 
they also had Uhura and the the villain uh, in that uh, first one. And they have a new one released at the convention in Vegas that shows, uh, let's see, this one shows Sulu, uh, Chekhov, McCoy, and who was the last one? Oh, Scotty, of course. Yes, all the actors playing those parts, and it's a little tricky, you know. The the the, the just the images themselves, the their faces are kind of in shadows. I don't know. They you have to look a little closely at it. They use the same color scheme and same poster kind of scheme they did for the first one, and I think it's pretty cool. I, I wish the the they had shown their uniforms just a tiny bit more and maybe the color and that and of them. Everything is reporting that they are very similar in style and color and, and that to the original series uniforms. They've kept that sort of idea of the three primary colors and just uh, sort of tweaked them just a tiny bit, of course. And uh, it sounds like uh, we're you know, the, the TOS fans out there are going to be pretty happy, I think, with what they've done. So, anyway, new poster out at the convention, a lot of guests out there. I'm sure we'll have probably more to report by next weekend uh, because the convention, again, is still going on right now. But uh, it's looking pretty good. It's too bad I, I, I haven't seen or heard of any footage that they've shown at the convention. Uh, you know, that would have been kind of good. This is really, well, they're going to have another convention. They usually do in in the California Pasadena type area, usually around March, uh, Creation does a big Trek con. So I'm sure there'll be tons of, of Star Trek movie coverage then because you'll only be a couple months away from the film premiering on May 8th, 2009. So, But we'll keep uh, keep our eyes peeled. I'm sure we're going to get a trailer, a full trailer, which they say they have pretty well in hand. They just need to add the effects and things to it. I'm sure we'll get one of those this fall with some of the uh, fall movies. Okay, right now I'm going to turn this over to, uh, I believe, Vartok uh, sent in a review of the new uh, direct-to-DVD film Stargate Continuum, which I just watched for the first time. I've had it here for over a week or two uh, sitting on my desk, but I just watched it finally last night, and I I really enjoyed it. I I just, I kind of miss SG-1 and Stargate, and Anything they uh, can put out, I'll be buying and watching. And I hope they continue to do these. They've done a couple of them now. The first one, The Ark of Truth, kind of wrapped up uh, the, sh- the season that they were in and that storyline. This one's a, a unique uh, movie on its own. But I'm not going to talk too much about it. I'll just say I really enjoyed it. And we'll let Vartok uh, talk about it. Now, I did mention to him, if you haven't seen the film, I mentioned for him to be careful about spoilers. And if he was going to really give anything major away, I, I told him to uh, to mention that ahead of time. So I'm sure he took that advice, And because I haven't really listened to his clip completely all the way through yet. But I will be listening with you. I think it's about five minutes long, so sit back and enjoy a Vartex review of a Stargate Continuum. Hello everyone, this is Vartok with a Stargate Continuum movie review. A few nights ago, I thoroughly enjoyed this latest Stargate production, and I thought I might share my enthusiasm for it with you. I will avoid any spoilers so you can enjoy this short review. Stargate Continuum, directed by Martin Wood, begins just inside the Stargate portal 
and makes a long, continuous, handheld camera pan throughout the Stargate facility halls and passageways, and then focuses in on Ben Browder as Colonel Cameron Mitchell and Bo Bridges as Major General Landry, who intersect each other just before the current Stargate mission. The military-outfitted, brown-clad SG-1 team is preparing to visit an off-world to witness the execution of Baal, the last of the gold system lords. In the background, you hear the distinctive Stargate music, which was composed by Joel Goldsmith, eldest son of Jerry Goldsmith. Joel has composed music for over 213 Stargate episodes, maintains his own website, and is quite possibly worthy of his own music and sci-fi segment. Claudia Black, Ben Browder's unrequited love to John Crichton in the Farscape sci-fi series, is back as Vala, and was another important role later in the film. Rounding out the SG-1 team are Amanda Tapping as Colonel Samantha Carter, Christopher Judge as our favorite Jaffa, Teal'c, and Michael Shanks as the unshakable Dr. Daniel Jackson. Cliff Simon reprises his role as System Lord Ball, the buff, goateed, old bad guy who in prior Stargate seasons cloned himself, creating the need to be continually hunted down and eliminated one by one. Ball, last of the old System Lords, murderer of untold millions, these will be your last words. Speak. I have nothing to say to the Tok'ra. And of course, everybody's favorite Stargate comic relief and General Jack O'Neill, played by Richard Dean Anderson, is back with his tell-it-like-it-is one-liners. Oh, she's probably gone to the bathroom for heaven's sake. I'm next in line, by the way. Can we get on with this? More movie-like than any serial Stargate episode, I was extremely impressed with the high-quality production value and plot development of this direct-to-DVD movie. From the familiar Stargate facility to the extreme cold of the Arctic Circle, to the planetary space shop circling Earth, you are never let down with any sense of less-than-believable scenes. The special effects are as real as they get. And as one critic even noted, there are no scenes set in the forest of British Columbia, if I recall. Stargate Continuum uses a familiar plot device familiar to Star Trek fans with the use of time, and hence the movie name of Continuum. However, I won't say any more than that since it might constitute a spoiler. You can probably guess that once again the forces of good must battle the forces of evil. In Continuum, our heroes even have to confront their closest friends, but you're going to have to watch the movie to figure out just what that means for yourself. What made Stargate Continuum special for me were the twists and turns that the plotline was allowed to take throughout the movie. Events that would not normally be allowed to occur during a series are allowed to take place, making you think, boy, I sure didn't see that coming. The Stargate Continuum movie was released on July 29th and is already available via Netflix at Circuit City for $16.99, and Best Buy for $19.99. Rent or buy it, turn down the lights, and if you're a Stargate fan, prepare for a spellbinding 98 minutes of sci-fi action-adventure. This movie was currently rated a 7.5 out of 10 on the IMDb database. Well, that's it from here, and now back to you, Rico. 
Thanks very much, Vartok, for that great uh, discussion uh, without giving anything really away on Stargate Continuum. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's always great to see them. It's like uh, you know a family reunion uh, a little bit now since they're not doing regular SG-1 episodes. Uh, but uh, the, the movies have been coming out pretty regular, and I hope they continue them. What I really loved and enjoyed about this almost as much as the, of the movie is there are some really cool special features and documentaries. I didn't watch all of them, but uh, as Vartok mentioned, there are some scenes uh, that they do up in the ice of the Arctic in this movie that are just incredible. And there is one behind-the-scenes little bit uh, documentary. I think it's maybe 10, 12 minutes, give or take. Uh, but uh, the main is a, lo- a lot of the main characters and cast, you know, they go up there and, uh, well, just watch it. It's, it's very, very cool. And they had to put up with some pretty severe conditions to get the footage that they did. And I, I was uh, really, uh, really enjoyed that. And I think it really shows how tight these people are and how much they enjoy working together. And uh, so, uh, yeah, pick up Stargate Continuum or rent it. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed, especially if you're a Stargate fan. This is a must-see. What's going on in the world of sci-fi? Stay tuned. Okay, uh, not too long ago, I saw a, uh, a new movie that I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, I haven't had a chance. Uh, I saw it actually before I did the video podcast last weekend. This is a movie based on a, a very long-running sci-fi uh, TV series that I enjoyed uh, that ran mostly in the 90s, ran from 1993 to 2002 when it aired its last episode. They've already done one movie, and they did another one, and I thought I would play the uh, television theme music uh, to this uh, show and and movie series, Uh, and then we'll come back and talk about the movie. Yes, that's, of course, the theme to the very popular show, The X-Files, which ran on Fox for 10 seasons uh, back again, like I said, in the uh, 90s, primarily into 2002. I saw the uh, the new film uh, almost, well, two weeks ago, a week and a half, uh, X-Files, I Want to Believe. Uh, this uh, this movie is a very, um, well, it's, it's basically just a standalone piece. It doesn't really require you to know much about the X-Files. A little would definitely help. Uh, that would would make you, I'm sure you would enjoy it a lot more, but they wanted to get a little away from all the mythology and long-running uh, stories and, and um, background stuff from the X-Files and make sort of just a, a scary kind of uh, one-shot uh, movie here, like they did in many of the X-Files episodes themselves. And I'm not going to give a lot away. I, again, this has only been out for a little while, and I know there's a lot of people that probably haven't seen it yet, but I enjoyed it. I, I have to say, though, I, I wish they had done a little bit more with it. I, I, I understand that they wanted to make uh, just a standalone kind of movie with not a lot of background out there. But uh, it's for one, for one thing, the, the two main characters, Scully and Mulder, 
uh, played by uh, Gillian Anderson as uh, Dana Scully and, and Fox Mulder, as uh, or I'm sorry, um, David Duchovny as Fox Mulder, uh, the two FBI agents, uh, there's a good chunk of the movie where they're not really together in, in investigating what's going on. And I think that's a little bit of a mistake. I know why they do it, and it makes sense for the movie when you see it and all, but it, I think it would have been better if they'd been a little bit more more um, working closer side by side like they used to uh, throughout more of the film. Uh, it's not a big uh, knock, and but it's a, a little one, I think. And, and I guess, for me at least, the storyline itself, the main plot line, was a little... Eh, I, I wished it had been a little bit more. I thought it was is something that was not too far and above beyond the, the TV show itself. Now, again, like I said, I enjoyed it. If you're an X-Files fan, I think you will enjoy the movie. It was great to see the two main characters back in back in business, back on the main screen, or the big screen this time. Uh, so that was enjoyable. I, I think it it's unfortunate it had taken a while for them to get this out. I think if it had come out three or four years after the series ended, and then they did another one, and, and so forth, I, I think I would feel maybe just a little bit different, but I'm not sure how often they're going to be able to put one of these together, and and I think because of that, I, I was I was hoping just for a little bit more in the movie, uh, I guess. So, uh, but it is enjoyable. Oh, I do have to say one thing: there is a bit of a little tiny little one of those uh, Easter egg. Uh, I don't know if you call it Easter egg, but there's a little thing that happens sort of near the very end of the credits. So if you do go see the movie, make sure you watch uh, the movie uh, through the end. It's not a big thing, but it's kind of fun, and I, I like that little bit. And I would heard before I went to see it that that was in there, so I stuck around and, and watched for it. So The X-Files, uh, still playing in theaters? Go check it out if you're a fan. log start date 3478.2 on a routine mission to resupply the experimental colony at gamma hydro 4 we discovered a most unusual phenomenon captain i am 29 and i'm 27 you mean Another 20,000, Captain? I fail to understand why each one of my commands is being questioned. Now, do as you're told, Mr. Sulu. I estimate that physically we each have less than a week to live. We will be little better than metal vegetables in a considerably lesser time. You stab me in the back the first chance you get? Get out. Well, there you have the uh, sort of uh, one-minute-long uh, preview to this week's Star Trek episode that we'll be covering, The Deadly Years, from the original series. Uh, it's a second-season episode, uh, production number 40, written by David P. Harmon and directed by uh, a regular director of the original series, Joseph Pevney. Uh, it uh, featured all of the crew uh, and uh, some good guest stars. This is a great episode for a lot of reasons, and we'll talk about those as I go through it. Uh, this is basically, uh, to me, a very classic uh, uh, original series episode. It, it focuses a lot on the main cast, uses their talents well, uh, plays to their strengths uh, and, and their weaknesses, and it, it just... Uh, 
is a real good ensemble piece, has a cool little idea, a little hook for a story, and uh, is well-directed, well-acted, and it just, uh, it all comes together. This is one of those episodes, especially, I think, in the uh, sort of early to mid uh, season two of uh, the original series where where they really were cooking on all burners in a way. I mean, the, the first season was great as well. Some real classic sci-fi episodes in there. But, you know, in, into season two, this is just where they really were able to do some interesting things. And the actors were very uh, comfortable with, in their roles and, and just really some classic Trek here. So, uh, hey, let's uh, go through some clips. I've got uh, the first one. You know, the basic... For most people who have seen this, and probably most of the people listening to the podcast have seen this episode, the basic premise is um, they go to this planet, and a lot of the main cast, the main characters, contract this disease, which causes them, the reason it's called the deadly years, is they all start to age very rapidly and become older. So uh, let's get started with uh, the first clip. Exactly what it looks like. Death by natural causes, old age. It's quite impossible, Doctor. I ran a personnel check on this entire expedition before we beamed down. I assure you that none of them would... They've come to pay their respect to Alvin. I'm Captain Kirk of... You'll have to speak louder. I say I'm Captain Kirk of the USS Enterprise. Who are you? I'm Robert Johnson, but this is my wife, Elaine. How old are you? How old are you? I'm... uh, Let me see. I am 29. And Elaine is... I'm 27. Yeah, so uh, obviously something's wrong here. These people look, uh, you know, very old. And, you know, by the 23rd century with uh, the era of uh, original series, you know, people were working and living, you know, you know, 100, 150 easily. Uh, and it's uh, shocking to them, you know, these people that are supposed to be in just in their 20s, late 20s, look as old as they do on this planet when they go down. And uh, the interesting thing that happens is... Um, there's a scene where uh, Chekhov does a, uh, probably one of his most classic uh, screams, which which basically keeps him from aging. Although the New Voyages, uh, uh, people over at Star Trek New Voyages, the fan film series, did a uh, an episode with Walter uh, playing Chekhov again, which uh, which played upon that whole idea and took it to a different level and, and an area. I, I urge everyone uh, to check out Star Trek New Voyages and uh, World Enough, no, what was that one called? I have to look it up uh, as I play the next clip to find out what the name of that one was. But it was a well-done piece, and check that out. That's a cool thing related to this episode. The next clip I'm going to play for you is into a, a briefing uh, time where they're back aboard the ship after they visited the planet and trying to get a, a handle on what's going on. Stay seated. Come to stop here. Yeah? I've asked you to be a part of this briefing because Gamma Hydra 4 falls in your administrative area. I appreciate that, sir. Dr. Wallace, as an expert in endocrinology, I'd appreciate you working very closely with Dr. McCoy. Yes, Captain. And Dr. McCoy, would you fill them in? Well, the expedition is suffering from extreme old age, and they're growing older by the minute, much older. My examinations have turned up absolutely nothing. In fact, I don't have a clue. 
What about the atmosphere and environment, Mr. Spock? Sensors reveal nothing which is inimical to human life. The atmosphere screens out the usual amount of harmful cosmic rays. We're close to the neutral zone between our Federation and the Romulan Empire. It's possible that Romulans have a new weapon and are using this colony as guinea pigs. I have already begun investigation into that possibility, Captain. Good. I want you all to check out everything in your own departments. No matter how remote, how far-fetched the notion, I want it run down. We'll stay in orbit until we have the answer. Thanks. I'm sure you understand that I am anxious to get to Starbase 10 to assume my new post. Yes, Commodore. We'll do everything we can to make sure you make your duty. Thank you, sir. And one of the other parts about this uh, episode that brings uh, another thing uh, that uh, is fairly common, I guess, in the original series is Kirk and, uh, and the women. And uh, in this one, he's uh, has they show a previous relationship he has with this Dr. Wallace, uh, who is aboard the Enterprise, who he had a relationship with uh, several years previous. But it was another one of those situations where she had her work and science and things, and he had uh, the Enterprise and, the, and his ship. So... It uh, it never really worked out between them, and you know there's something about Kirk and these in these women uh, in the sciences. You know Car- Carol Marcus, of course, uh, who, who he had a very serious relationship with, and eventually you know they had that uh, son David and all that. Uh, oh, the episode uh, that Chekhov uh, that New Voyages took off on and related to this is called uh, "To Serve All My Days." So check that out uh, if you haven't checked. Uh, out uh, any of those Star Trek New Voyages, or if you haven't watched that one yet, it's a cool kind of follow-up to uh, this episode, The Deadly Years. The next clip I've got for you is uh, a little bit about uh, old Dr. McCoy. And, you know, DeForest Kelly does a great job in this episode. As they age him, he gets a little more of that good old southern country doctor coming out in him, which is a lot of fun to watch. So, uh, So listen to this clip. The last one. Robert Johnson, cause of death old age. You did what you could. Jed's up to absolutely nothing. Dr. McCoy, this is Scott. May I come up and see you? All you need are vitamins, but you can come up anyhow. Bones, I believe you're getting gray. You take over my job and see what happens to you. All right. I see what you mean. What's your problem, Joe? Shoulder. Just a twinge. Probably muscular strain. Oh. Probably right, Doctor. By the way, I don't like the way you've been running this ship lately. All right, reprimand the seat. Go ahead. physical on you. Why? Just muscular strain, huh? No, Jim. It's advanced arthritis. It's spreading. It's impossible. I can run it through again, but I'll come up with the same thing. So everyone's starting to age here. It's uh, I have to say that they do a really good job of uh, of showing how different people age at different rates, and, and 
Some get a little more gray. Some start to, you know, have, like, trouble remembering things and hearing and other little quirks like that. It, it's real interesting to see how they didn't just make them all kind of the same along those lines. Uh, the next clip here is uh, where they're examining, I think, Spock and Sickbay. And, of course, Vulcans being a little more long, long lives that they have. Uh, he is in effect quite as much. He he does describe some of the problems he's having, though, which is interesting. So listen to this one. Oh, you're perfectly healthy. I must differ with you, doctor. I'm having difficulty concentrating, which is most disturbing. My eyesight appears to be failing. And the normal temperature of the ship seems to me to be increasingly cold. I did not say you weren't affected, Mr. Spock. You are perfectly healthy. That is, for any normal Vulcan on the high side of a hundred. Captain, did I go back to the station? You feel up to it, Scotty? Of course I do. I just need a wee bit of rest, that's all. You can leave, too, Lieutenant Galway. Lieutenant Galway. What? You spoke to me, Doctor. Yes, I spoke to you. I said that you could leave, too. Now, why don't you go on down to your quarters and get some sleep? No. I don't want to sleep. Can't you understand? If I sleep, what will I find when I wake up? Galway, assume your position. Start your duty. Thank you, sir. Yeah, poor Lieutenant Galway gets hit pretty bad by this. She has, I guess, a fairly quick and fast metabolism, so she ages very fast compared to the rest of them, even though she's actually younger than, you know, Kirk, and he mentions that. Uh, it, it's really interesting, again, to see how they each deal with the, the aging factor McCoy kind of just sort of accepts it and tries to go on. Kirk, of course, fights it really hard. His, you know, force of will and command abilities start to leave him, and and that starts to, you know, really affect him. And he starts to, or he continues to fight it throughout the whole episode. Spock just kind of gracefully gets a little, you know, this gray-haired Vulcan and, and still tries to do his duty and, and all that. It's, it's, again, very interesting to watch and uh and I really like how the other uh, characters who aren't affected deal with the the aged uh, people around them. They're, they're superiors primarily and how they really try to help them out and, and, and not, uh, you know, not really take them to task for what's happening to them. They, it really shows the loyalty in this episode to Kirk and, and, the, and the main characters of the rest of the crew, and I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, next clip here uh, takes place on the bridge, and uh, as you'll start to see, uh, Kirk is starting to uh, lose his uh, his mental capa- capacity a little bit and his memory and so forth. Some more blood, Chekhov. A needle wound hurt, Chekhov. Take off your shirt, Chekhov. Roll over, Chekhov. Breathe deeply, Chekhov. Blood sample, Chekhov. Marrow sample, Chekhov. Skin sample, Chekhov. If, if I live long enough, I'm going to run out of samples. You'll live. Oh, yes, I'll live. But I won't enjoy it. 
Maintaining standard orbit, Captain. Reach over to 20,000 perigee, Mr. Sullivan. Aye, aye, sir. Will you sign it, sir? Your man. Reason for being on the bridge, Commodore Stocker? I'd hope for a few words with you at your convenience. I have very little time. Well, I may say so, sir. We have a due date at Starbase 10. We're going to be late. I don't intend to leave this area until we've found a solution for this problem. Captain, I am watching four very valuable and one almost irreplaceable members of the Starfleet failing before my eyes. I, I want to do something to help. If you're so concerned, I'll send a message to you. Starbase 10. You sent such a message this morning. Helen! Where's that? Sir? Fuel consumption report. I gave it to you, sir, and you signed it. I had signed it. I wouldn't ask for it, now would I? Your signature, Captain. This is probably, uh, you know, one of the hardest things, I think, for people, uh, well, I guess, uh, as Kirk says in this episode, you know, aging this fast and just, you know, not even being able to really deal with it. Uh, it's one thing to age over decades and things like that, but this fast has just got to be a very, very hard thing to uh, to handle and to deal with. You know, it would be almost be, be easier to die in just a, you know, a real quick kind of heroic death rather than to have this happen to you. Especially, I think, the mental part of it. You know, physical, people could, I think, mainly deal with. I don't know. That's, uh, for me at least, uh, I've always been a little bit leery or afraid of, of you know, how your mental uh, capabilities and state will, will handle as you get older. Will you become more forgetful? You know, what? Uh, and that uh, that's something I think that would be hard, hard to handle. And it, it's just... Um, you know, do you put sticky notes all over the place to remind you of everything or, or what? Uh, but, uh, you know, as long as you've got your brain power, I think the, the physical, well, you know, medical science can handle a lot of, uh, can fix a lot of ills these days. So, but uh, this uh, episode then gets into this whole competency hearing that Commodore Stocker uh, has for, because, you know, he's seeing Kirk and the command officers really start to lose their abilities. So he, he creates this uh, little hearing to get Kirk out of the the center seat uh, because he's not doesn't think Kirk's capable anymore, and it's actually he's pretty much right. The problem is of uh, eventually, uh, well, you'll see in the episode or, or you know already that Stocker isn't really fit for for commanding a starship either. So here's a, a clip from the competency hearing. Doctor McCoy. Yes. Will you give us your professional evaluation? of Captain Kirk's present physical condition. Captain Kirk is suffering from a, a peculiar physical degeneration which strongly resembles aging. Is not his mental capacity degenerating even more rapidly? Yes, yes, but he's a better man right now. Doctor, you heard the computer's analysis of Captain Kirk's physical age. Do you agree with it? It's a blasted machine, Spock. You can't argue with a machine. Do you agree with it, Doctor? 
good part there uh it's real uh good scenes in this briefing that they have you know kirk is sort of walking around the table as they're doing the briefing and he's you know shatner and and the whole uh, main characters and cast you know really use some of their talents uh, you know working on uh film and stage over the years to to portray themselves as older older uh characters of course there's a lot of makeup they use uh, bulkier costumes to show them sort of, you know, their limbs and muscles sort of atrophying a little bit. And they do a great job with, with all of them and make them each look a little unique. Uh, and, of course, uh, Kirk is uh, relieved of command. And the next clip I have for you is his reaction to uh, to that little tidbit. I mean, you've not assumed command. I suffer the same affliction as you, sir. If you're not in command, who is Commodore Stalker. Stalker? Are you crazy? He's never had a field command. Mr. Scott was unfit for command. Commodore Stalker is ranking officer. Don't, don't talk to me about rank. Man's a chair-bound paper pusher. I order you to take command. I cannot, Captain. Are you refusing a direct order? No, sir. Only Commodore Stalker can give a command order on board this ship. You traitorous. Disloyal. You stabbed me in the back the first chance you get. Spock. Get out. I never want to have to look at you again. Yeah, good, good interplay between Kirk and Spock in this episode. Really, you know, his his best friend. Uh, if, you know, he's feeling betrayed and kind of stabbed in the back, and very well played by the by the two of them, by Shatner and uh, Leonard Nimoy. Uh, and of course, Stalker takes over and and very quickly messes things up. I mean, you know, even a deskbound paper pusher guy would know better than to cross over into the neutral zone unless you really, really have to. And I mean, I know he wants to get to the Starbase as fast as possible, but I, I mean, th- that probably would be my only little gripe about or a little hook about this episode as a Commodore, even though he's never had a field command. You know, he'd think he'd be just a little bit smarter than that. You know, he, he makes some pretty big blunders. He gets caught off guard. Romulans start to attack the Enterprise. And uh, while all this is going on, they discover, you know, that there's been this comet and this radiation that uh, entered the atmosphere and caused the effects, and so they create a cure, and uh, that uh, hopefully will work. Uh, the next clip is, I've only got a couple left. This one is a very long clip, but I, I really enjoy all the, the way they put this together. One thing I'll point out in reading up about the, the making of this episode before I started the recording today, uh, the, the way when they cure Kirk in here, you know, he volunteers to take the first uh, dose of the antidote, uh, the first filming of it, the way they were going to portray it was Kirk was going to take the shot and, and then start to uh, head towards the bridge, and he was going to sort of change uh, from older back to younger as they uh, went up to the bridge rather than the way they do it now where he's sort of off camera, hidden in sickbay, and 
writhing around on the bed in pain from the from the antidote. Uh, I'm not sure which way would have been better. I, I, I think this one works just as well. I think it builds up the suspense a little bit more maybe. Uh, but uh, anyway, there's a little tidbit for you of the different one of the differences they had in the episode so here we go with uh, uh, a good long uh, i think this is about five minute long clip of towards the end of the episode greenhorn up there running my ship jim if i have to give you a shot oh. jim boy you just lay quiet you can't do no good with both through no no my ship my ship Doctor, made the necessary computations and produced this serum. It is crude and dangerous. We had no time for refinements. All right, let's uh, let's go. It could cure or kill, Doctor. Don't give me any Vulcan details, Spock. Just give me the shot. No. I'll take the first shot. You can't. How long do you think the ship can take the pounding? I've got to get up there. Jim, it could kill you. I'll die anyway. Do it. Dr. Wallace, give him the shot. They simply ignore us. Opinion, Mr. Sulu. They know they have us. They know our shields will give out. Well, then we have no alternative but to surrender. Sir, the Romulans do not take captives. Surrounded by Romulan vessels. Maximum of 10. Range, 50 to 100,000 kilometers. Engineering, this is the captain. I want full emergency power. I want everything within about two minutes. I want the warp drive engines on full standby. Kirk out. Open up a special channel to Starfleet Command. Code 2. But, Captain, code... That's an order, Lieutenant. Code 2. Yes, Captain. Code 2. Message. From Enterprise to Starfleet Command the Second. Have inadvertently encroached upon Romulan neutral zone, surrounded and under heavy Romulan attack. Escape impossible, shields failing. Will implement the struct order using Cobramite device recently installed. Since this will result in the destruction of the Enterprise and all matter within a 200,000 kilometer diameter and establish a corresponding dead zone, 
all Federation ships will avoid this area for the next four solar years. Explosion will take place in one minute. Kirk, commanding Enterprise, out. Mr. Sulu. Course 188 degrees, Mark 14. Speed, warp factor 8. Stand by. Standing by, sir. Romulan's giving ground, Captain. Obviously, they tapped in as you expected them to. A logical assumption, Mr. Spock. Are they still retreating? Yes, sir. Good. All hands, stand by. Warp factor eight, now. Yes, sir. And out of the neutral zone. Secure from red alert. Adjust a new course, 257 degrees, mark 3. Heading for Starbase 10. 257 degrees, mark 3. Captain, I just wanted to assure you that I did what I thought best to save both you and the men. Noted. You should know, however, that there's very little a Starbase can do that a Starship can. If I may say so, Captain, I am now quite aware of what a Starship can do. The right man at the helm. I like the way they edited all that together there with the Romulans sort of surrounding them and blasting them and Kirk, uh, you know, getting the cure in, in sickbay and and then popping up on the bridge all. You know, that, that's probably one of the reasons they changed it from him slowly changing and because you don't really get to see the, you know, the young, tough captain until he pops up on the bridge to kind of save the day like he normally would do and you know, always, uh, always there with a with an answer. And I like the way they uh, use the Corbomite device again in here, uh, which uh, goes back to the season or the first season. And Chekhov even has a little bit of a smile about it. Which, uh, when you think about it, you know, he wasn't in the first season, uh, so uh, that sort of also leads you to believe that maybe Chekhov actually was aboard the Enterprise earlier than you get to see him up in the navigator chair on the bridge, that he was uh, in a different position, another area. And, you know, that's got to be true. You know, the bridge is a very elite and uh, top position. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the uh, people aboard the ship and the crew would have to sort of work their way up probably to that point. So uh, cool uh, cool way they put that together on the end there, and uh, a great job. I've got one last little clip, just kind of the end uh, tag of the episode, which is always kind of fun to play in these. Uh, and uh, here you go. Anytime you're ready, Mr. Spock. I am quite ready now, Doctor. Because of your Vulcan physique, I've prepared an extremely potent shot for you. However, I thought you might like to know that I've removed all the breakables from sickbay. That is very considerate of you, Doctor. I thought you'd be pleased to hear that. Well, gentlemen, all in all, an experience we'll remember in our old age. Which won't be for some while, I hope. Take over, Mr. Sulu. Steady as she goes. Steady as she goes, Captain. I thought I said that. Well, there you go with... uh... The Deadly Years, a cool second season episode of uh, the original series, and one of, uh, as always, I, I like to say, you know, one of my favorites. Uh, 
lots of fun to see, and uh, the actors do a great job with it. Uh, I've actually got two uh, clips to play now from uh, uh, the listeners. This one, uh, the first one I'm going to play is from Dave Kill and his comments about the deadly years. So take it away, Dave. Well, hi, everyone. I really like this week's episode, The Deadly Years, because at some point we all recognize our own mortality, and this show deals with the subject most effectively. When the crew beams down to City Alpha 4, they are exposed to an element that makes them transform, not into hideous monsters, but into old age, complete with senior citizen discounts and long afternoon naps. All except for Chekhov, who gets to do what he does best. Kirk, not ready to become old and in the way just yet, protests. But I'm not old, Jan. I'm not. But he is relieved of command and goes into denial. I admit I'm getting a little gray, but radiation will do that to you. Then anger. I am the captain of this ship, and I'm totally capable of commanding her. Call this whole thing off and get back to work. And finally, betrayal. You should have been a prosecuting attorney. Regulations require... Regulations don't give me regulations. You want command all along. First little excuse you get. That big old buckethead Commodore Stoker gets them into some real trouble. Entering Romulan neutral zone, sir. All sensors are maximum. Thank you, Mr. Sewell. Lieutenant O'Hara, let me know if we contact any Romulan. I think we just made contact, sir. Finally, McCoy comes up with a cure at the last moment, and everyone regains their youth. Well, gentlemen, all in all, an experience we'll remember in our old age. Which won't be for some while, I hope. I reviewed this episode from the new remastered Season 2 box set, and I've got to say, the old age makeup used for this story is just amazing. Spock really looks haggard. And the revised battle with the Romulans is just awesome. Well, this is Dave Kill signing off for this week. Back to you in the studio, Rico. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. And always good to hear uh, other people's comments about the episodes uh, or the movies or whatever I happen to be talking about. Send those in. Uh, always are welcome. You can always email uh, the show, treksf at gmail.com, or call the voicemail line. At 206-202-1548. That number you can find on the website as well. And uh, we've got uh, one more uh, listener commentary and review from Mr. Moyer. And uh, I think he's got another song for us. Hey, Rico and everybody at Trex and Sci-Fi. This is Rick Moyer coming to you from the beautiful and great Northwest. Not only moments from the Pacific Ocean. And I'm so excited to be here today to... Um, play you a new song that i wrote because well this is a great episode i mean talk about makeup before it's time you're talking about the deadly years a tos episode that was really quite done well yeah and uh, i just thought it was fun and from now on i'm going to be robert johnson so i hope you enjoy the rest of this review i give the uh, episode 3.5 stars isn't that right amy amy Oh, I think she's dead. Anyway, here you go. This song is actually um, to the Beatles song, When I'm 64. It's called Gamma Hydra 4. 
when I get older from something unknown on Gamma Hydrophore. Will you still be checking on our colony? Routine visit just to see me. If we all age to 103, would you find the cure? Will you still test me, hypo-inject me on Gamma Hydrophore? You're infected too And if you find the cure I won't die with you Forgetting his orders Kirk's getting old Robert Johnson dies Getting arthritis in his joints and limbs Something's giving them problems The whole away team, except for Chekhov Getting old some more Will you still test me, hypo-inject me On Gamma Hydro 4? Lieutenant Galloway, she really is afraid to go home Scared of waking up McCoy will try to Thermostats set to 125 The crew will not behave Commodore Stalker meeting with Spock Says that Kirk's unfit You have to hold a hearing to prove otherwise Sulu, they testify Give me your serum Adrenaline rush Kirk is young like before The Romulans lose The Corbin might ruse On Gamma Hydra 4 Woo! Well, I definitely needed to add some applause to that, Rick. Uh, great job. As always, your songs continue to delight and amaze. And uh, I know uh, all the people uh, that listen to Treks and Sci-Fi look forward to those uh, each time. So thanks so much for that and, and uh, to Dave again. And uh, it's just a, a cool episode, and I'm glad you guys had some fun with it and sent in those entries. So thanks very much. It's time for a collectible review on Treks and Sci-Fi. Well, all right, I've got a uh, a new, very cool collectible to talk about and review for you this week on the show. I haven't done one in a couple of weeks, I know. And uh, and this one uh, just came uh, this past week. It's from Master Replicas, and it is a prop replica, a one-to-one scale prop uh, Trek replica of the uh, Star Trek Assault phaser. Now, this is a uh, phaser that was basically used in the later Star Trek movies uh, with the original uh, series crew, primarily Star Trek V and VI. Uh, it, was, it did show up, actually. You see it in in some of the earlier ones. I believe there's a pretty good shot of it. Uh, Uhura's using it in uh, 
in Star Trek Three when uh, she helps Kirk and the rest of them transport over to the Enterprise when she puts that uh, little young crewman into the closet, if you remember that. Anyway, it uh, it's basically a um, a very nice uh, replica. Uh, I basically, <laughs> let me say things a little bit more in detail than that. So it is uh, very well done, I think. Uh, it comes with sort of a, uh, a deep black finish. It is done, uh, it's, it's mostly... Um, uh, molded plastic parts, uh, ABS, I think primarily they use in these, which is a lot of what they use in uh, props themselves for the movies. But it has some metal parts as well. And when you look at it and hold it, you don't really feel or notice that, inf- that it's like a plastic, uh, you know, it doesn't really feel like a toy, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the features, though. First, uh, the finish, again, is sort of a, a dull matte black kind of look to it. It has some silver components, too. I'll have, of course, pictures of this up in the collection gallery on the website uh, for all of you to take a look at because that's a little easier to do. I want to make some more video prop reviews sometime, too, so I'll try to do that uh, when I get a chance. But anyway, the the neat thing about this is it it has a lot of neat little functions and features. For one, there's a magazine kind of like a where you would put bullets, but this is more like a power pack magazine that comes in and out of it. And when you do that, it makes this uh, very cool little sound. You probably can hear it. And a little light shows up uh, in the inside uh, where the housing opens where you put this little Phaser 1 power pack inside there, which is a separate item, and you'll see that in the review as well. So the front cowling kind of snaps open, which is kind of neat. And let me see if I can do that for you. I don't know if you can hear that. And there again, there's a little phaser that fits inside there, phaser one. There's the loading sound. I'll click it back together again. And then there's a power-up sound. You probably heard that. I'll, I'll try to do it again for you. And then there's two different firing sounds. This one, there's a trigger on it, and when you when you trigger it, there's a little uh, LED light in the front that lights up. And a green kind of power light in the back that also goes on. And the other neat little thing that this does is the inside has a light uh, that uh, sort of is a recharge light. And after you fire it, it, it stays off for a second or two. And then the light will come back on to sort of show that it's ready to fire again. And then there's another sound that it makes. That's the uh, sort of longer blast, you know, sort of disrupt the uh, whatever you're shooting at or dissolve it or vaporize it. Dissolve it? What is that? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to use my phaser on you and dissolve you. Look out, Horta or Gorn or whatever, but uh, I just have a lot of fun. This thing is a very cool replica. Now, it isn't cheap at all. Master Replicas, I think it's an edition size of 2000 You can, I think, still order them on their website. There's probably other places like eBay and some uh, other uh, places uh, that carry props and replicas. I would urge everyone to you know, shop around a little bit, see if you can get it on a discount. Uh, like I said, uh, I will link it on the, the notes and uh, to the Master Replicas page. I don't think they're sold out. I, I, I'm not sure, though. I'll have to look. There's also a cool little emblem on the bottom of it, uh, which they sort of showed in the movies, I guess, at some point. It's got the uh, little insignia, the little Delta Shield. It says NCC-1701 Enterprise. 
and kind of done in red on the bottom. It's just a great piece, uh, definitely for the high-end uh, collector. Uh, the uh, the other factor here would be, you know, Art Asylum or Diamond Select has been making a lot of these uh, prop, le- prop replicas that to Master Replicas has been doing in Trek. They kind of make a, a sort of a knockoff, uh, cheaper version of those later on down the road. They've done it with the original series. Phaser, Communicator, the Tricorder will be out uh, this fall. They're doing a couple different versions of that. And people are kind of guessing and assuming they'll eventually do this Assault Phaser as well. Uh, but uh, for uh, a much more uh, nice and uh, higher-end version, I don't think you'll do much better than this. I know Roddenberry.com does some kits of these and things like that, but... Uh, but again, I'm real happy with this piece. On the replica prop forum, some people have been kind of a little, you know, knocking it and a little disappointed and and things. But a lot of those people that have been talking about it haven't actually seen or or played with one themselves. And and when you do that, I think uh, I I don't think you're really gonna going to you know send it back to the company. So I do know that I've heard that there are some that are. A little in uh, a little better condition and shape than others, the way they've been put together and finished and that and that. Anytime they build one of these kinds of things, that kind of thing can happen. They're made in China, and there is some variation, I think, in in the way they're produced. You might get a little better and cleaner version one, or you might get one that's not so great. So, so anyway, there is the uh, Master Replicas Star Trek Assault Phaser review for you. Hope you enjoyed hearing about that, and uh, check it out if you're interested. Time about to finish up the podcast, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this uh, return to a, a classic uh, type of Treks in Sci-Fi show. Uh, a couple comments. Uh, please uh, check out Podcast Alley and iTunes and throw up some reviews and uh, vote for the show on Podcast Alley. Links to get to all that stuff is on the main com website. Uh, you know, and send your commentary in about some of the movies and TV shows that you've been seeing around uh, over the summer. I know Eureka's back on. Doctor Who ended up its run on Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, Next Friday, we have The Clone Wars, of course, coming out in theaters. I'll probably try to be there on opening day to see it. Uh, That looks like it'll be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to that. And uh, still got a few summer movies here to, uh, to finish off with and watch. I'd like to see Batman in IMAX still, too. I haven't done that yet. So uh, The Dark Knight uh, in IMAX. So uh, next week we will probably be doing, I think I'm going to do some animated Trek. I haven't done that in a long time. I was doing those sort of as a midweek show uh, a long while back, but I haven't done any in a while. And I might do one or two episodes for next week's podcast, cover a couple of the animated uh, series episodes for you, which I haven't covered and, and looked at in a while, like I said. I think that's what I'll do. I, again, I will post up what I'm going to be covering um, sometime probably later today on the main website, also on the forums as well. And uh, again, uh, if you're not on the forums, well, you know, you should be because it's a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to be starting up a new season of the RPG game soon, too. So check those out if you get a chance. And uh, until next time, everyone, take care. And uh, I will talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production. 